Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, college football, and NHL in full swing, BetOnline is your number one source for wagering, news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Head to BetOnline today to get in the action. And don't forget to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% Welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Good evening. This is another edition, Fun Belt Podcast. From the Believe Network, the most powerful network in podcasting. With me, Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report. Good evening, Dusty Thibodeau. How are you? How goes? Love okay. uh, the excitement there. After your team tried to kill the star player of the Sunbelt Conference. <laughs> we almost killed the golden boy of the Sunbelt. It was a scary moment in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We'll talk a little bit about that shortly. Also with us tonight, Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. The Pulitzer Prize winning, most powerful newspaper on the East Coast. Heisman Trophy voter Shane Metlin with us tonight in the studio. Shane, how are you this evening? Uh, doing pretty well. Have you been shaking down senators and representatives trying to get some some juice for James uh, Madison in their quest to play in postseason? I've been hearing from uh, some of those people, and I think uh, I think they are as much wanting to get their names out there as I am trying to track down their names at this point. But uh, oh, okay. <laughs> but you know there there are things happening. There seems to be two camps in the social media world about that, Shane. There's the camp that says, this is ridiculous. JMU, one of the best football programs out there. They really should have an opportunity to show themselves out in a bowl game. And then there's this other camp that says, wah, 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 call the ambulance. You guys knew the rules. It happens for every FCS program. You got to wait two years. Shane, where are you? You know, you've been very neutral. It's, it's. I've been watching your work on the social media, and and you've seemed to be pretty even keeled about it. Because there's some there's some validity to both okay. sides of that. I oh, mean, you know, it, it's a dumb rule. It's an outdated, antiquated rule. And I'm not even gonna say it's a dumb rule because there was a reason for it at one point. It, it's antiquated. Mm -hmm. um, it's unfortunate that as good a season as Jamie was having, that there's 
something of a ceiling on it right now. But I mean, the people who say that this was the rule that existed and JMU knew these were the rules have somewhat of a point too. There's, there's different things. I mean, I, I tend to think that JMU was under the impression they were going to get a waiver mm-hmm. under the previous NCA regime. Now there's a new president who doesn't want to grant waivers for anything. And that's been the major change, but like everybody kind of has a point. I'm not just, I'm not just being like, uh, you know, unconfrontational there, there there's, you know, no real good answer or solution to this because nobody could have anticipated a team making a transition like JMU has done it. It, it never happened. I do have a solution chain. Oh, okay. Let's hear the okay. solution. Jacksonville state is in the same boat that they are ineligible for the postseason for a bowl game. Yeah. There is the mythical hundredth bowl or whatever it is in Frisco, Texas to satisfy everybody. The Cox and the Dukes meet up in Northern Texas in the mythical bowl for a mythical national championship. They even get the mythical championship, much like the 2017 UCF golden Knights. They get a trophy. They get a license plate. They get t-shirts. That's how we solve all this. Mm, You know, I I know that you're playing some of that for laughs. No, but to me, I'd rather just not go to a bowl game. If you're going to manufacture a bowl game between two teams that aren't allowed to play in a bowl game, Two teams that, quite frankly, Jacksonville State doesn't belong on the same field as JMU. I'm sorry. They're 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 undefeated. They're not the same quality of team at all. And so just to say, well, because they're in the same boat, let's put them into a bowl game. So And that'll make them happy? What that makes The Frisco Bowl. The Frisco (laughs) Bowl is a made-up bowl anyway. (laughs) So let's just go all out. But I will say this from a JMU perspective. Okay. I don't think there's too many people at JMU who are that sad that they're not going to play in something like the Frisco bowl or the Myrtle beach bowl or any of those. What they want is a Sunbelt championship. Uh And now that they're seven and oh and ranked, what they'd want is a potential Fiesta bowl, like the the new year six bowl. Um, You know, I don't think I said the Frisco bowl. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I mean, yeah. Is that what you were saying? Okay. <laughs> I mean, if JMU loses their next two games and yeah. they'll all be both of them. those things go out the window, that everybody's yeah. going to get quiet. I mean, it'll it's be, just. It'll be the mood point. Yeah. And that's the shame because JMU is going to have to go completely undefeated to really make the case. Because one mm-hmm. defeat will be like, well, you see, James Masson didn't deserve it anyway. And that'll be the, it for that. Yeah. I mean, the real interesting thing to me is that you know the ncaa aside the ncaa right now is simply upholding their existing rules which i think is can be justified to some degree what i found very interesting this week was when the college football playoff comes out and says like even if jmu is bowl eligible they're not college football playoff and new year's six eligible which i found i found that part kind of strange because like if jmu can be selected for a bowl game should they be able to be selected for any bowl game. Yeah. They kind of made up their own rule there. Right. Yeah. And I really like, I don't know. I really got the impression that I sent that email Friday morning in the car on the way back from Huntington, got the reply Sunday night. My impression was sort of like, um, 
you know, their communications guy went to like the committee and was kind of like, have you guys even thought about this? And <laughs> they came up with something on the fly over the weekend. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it sounds to me like they don't even want to be bothered with it. You know, they, yeah. they kind of just want to be able to stick to lane or, or air force or whoever at the bottom of the pole and just be like, okay, one of those guys, I guess gets the, to go to the new year six but uh, we're really focused on somehow putting Alabama in there. <laughs> that's just me. Hey, hey, that's just me being cranky, Dusty, about the college football playoff committee, about the AP Top 25. There's really no reason to remain this bitter. Let's talk about that big ULM win. Oh, oh wait. Mm. It wasn't a big ULM win. It was another loss for the Warhawks. You know Dusty, what's even better what than that, Jeremy? I just realized that as I was creating the graphic yeah. for the Sunbelt Football West standings, uh-huh. that I left Arkansas State off. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I don't care because, you know, you you want to bring it? I can bring it too. I just deleted you from uh, the entire you're, league. You're using technology to destroy us. That's not fair. <laughs> Look, the Warhawks... Yeah, we've had this discussion on Warhawk Report a lot. I've had a lot with conversations through text, talks with the commish of the Sicko Committee. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't know what else there is. The players have changed, the coaches have changed, administrators yep. have changed. It's the same script, just with a different year to it. ULM is going to rattle off two, maybe three wins, then. Have that almost, oh, God, we almost were 6-6 six and six and could have been in a bowl, but if, you know, we would have only played better before. Rinse, repeat, add it for next year. This year, bad first quarter where there were fumbles, there were picks and everything else to get down 28-7 to to Georgia Southern in the first half of the game. Georgia Southern couldn't find the end zone to save their life in the second half. Warhawks stormed back. They're down three with a minute 50 left. A true freshman quarterback in the game who winds up making his debut going 18 of 33 for 320, one touchdown, one pick. The pick was a pick six because it was a batted ball that fell in the hands of a Georgia Southern defensive back that ran it right back in for the 10-point victory. But I, I don't know what else to say about this team. They're good. They they outgained the Eagles, four thirty two to four seventeen. It was the damn fumbles, the picks, and just zero of three on fourth down conversions, four of sixteen. So you can't move the ball consistently. They averaged five point eight yards a, a play compared to Georgia Southern's five point three. I don't know what else to do with this. You tell me, Jeremy. You tell me, Shane. You're you're the real journalist there, Shane. How do we fix this? I don't know. I mean, I there's always that like step where like you start winning close games and it's to, that's the turning point for a program that's got some talent. And you know, right now, like just look around the Sunbelt, like there are no bad teams. Like maybe you know, Southern it, Miss. It, it, maybe Southern maybe Miss. Southern Miss. I mean, they're playing bad right now, but I think they have the talent okay, okay. to be they have yeah. the talent to be a, a mm-hmm solid team and like you know if if southern miss and ulm are your worst teams in the conference it's a really tough conference top to bottom 
And like, I think it's kind of like that, you know, culture thing. Not that there's a bad culture with, you know, the Bowden there, but like somewhere along the line, these guys have to like sort of realize that the expectation is to win and like that, you know, things are going to break our way and that, you know, we're going to win this game, even if something goes a little wrong. And I don't know, there were moments when I watched on Saturday, like neither team looked like they wanted to win that game or, or knew how to win the game. And, you know, Georgia Southern, who's a little bit ahead in that process of establishing the culture, I think ended up making those plays. Yeah. And I, Bowden's I'm, first year, four and eight. Bowden's yeah. second year, four and eight. I guarantee you this year we're, we're, we're sitting right now at, at uh, two and five. It's, it's going to be a, five and seven year, maybe a four and eight year once again. Yeah. You know, I, I look at this team though, and this Warhawks team is the scariest Warhawks team that I've seen out of those three Terry Bowden years. And somehow they've got the worst record, but they seem like they play capable football. And, 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 and Dusty, I didn't realize that, that uh, Jaya Wright didn't start. What happened to him? Is he injured again? No, he got pulled. Ooh. After the the series of fumbles and blunders there that helped mm-hmm. uh, Georgia Southern build that twenty eight seven lead, they they uh, told him to take a seat and put in the true freshman Blake Murphy, which I think mm-hmm. is 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 probably a good move. But you got to realize that a you just pretty much burned a red shirt for half a year, so you better make damn sure this kid's is actually ready. B Jira Wright is probably baked now in the head that you're not going to be able to really count on him. Uh, down the stretch, so you better make sure your offensive line is ready to protect a true freshman behind center. Um, and, and so maybe it's the right move, maybe it's not. We'll see this week when hopefully we can break the million day, million year drought against Arkansas State that we'll preview in the next episode. Yeah, that's not happening. But I'm just kind of going off on a random rant. It, it's it's just frustrating. It's it's I can't even say I'm pissed off. I I find myself just sitting here stuttering not being able to come up with more words of how to describe what this whole situation's like. Let's be honest too about the situation that ULM is in. They have by a pretty significant margin, the smallest budget in the Sun Belt. Yes. And I think it shows up in things like road games or JMU took a charter flight to Huntington this week that took 45 minutes to get there rather than doing a four hour bus ride. And that's an advantage in a situation like that. I don't think ULM's doing those kinds of things very much. I don't know. Did they charter to, you know, Statesboro? Are they flying commercial? Like there, there's a lot of little things that are just the advantages that programs have that make difference in close games. You know, like, you know, some coach the other day, I think it was Charles Huff, you know, Marshall's a program that doesn't have the kind of budget you might expect for a school like Marshall. Yeah. And he's talking about, you know, like, you know, in college, you, just take old school ice baths. And I was kind of like, really? Because like, you know, at, at JMU, they've got like hyperbaric chambers and stuff like this. <laughs> and this like, you know, and those things do make a difference yeah. to some degree, as far as like your players recuperating and not, you know, missing time and, you know, not being dead ass tired after a road trip. Yeah. But you know, I, I do understand that the hat, like I remember at Texas state, it was a big deal to get a nutrition table, like a, like a, a nutritionist to come in there and, and, and set out a menu of food for their kids. They'd never done that before. 
and and now it took you know four or five years, but they're finally playing capable football. It's just little things like that. Is I don't know where where the Warhawks are on that, but I I, I will say that it is, is kind of funny that if if would you say the quarterback's new name the the freshman quarterback's name is Blake Blake Murphy Blake Murphy that will be three. I don't know if Zeon Chris is a true freshman, but that would be three freshmen starting at quarterback in the Sun Belt West, and that's pretty crazy. We are the wild, wild west. Yeah. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. So moving on beyond that game. <laughs> before I have to. Uh, or you stroke out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you'll notice right there's the graphic with no Arkansas State just for Jeremy. This hurts. I have hurts. deleted the Red Wolves, especially this week. I have deleted them from my memory brain. They do not exist. Is it because we almost killed <laughs> Grayson McCall? Is that why? Yes. You dirty, <laughs> cheap, cheating bastards. Look, I, I saw that live, too. I was there. I was there for that. <laughs> I did I did not see a good angle of it. The angle I saw was from uh, the end zone behind it, and you couldn't really see what exactly happened. If it was a dirty hit, if it was a clean hit, if it was because his arm was up, as someone has said, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I compare it to the New York Yankees. Everyone hates the Yankees because of maybe how good they are, how arrogant they are. Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, the better the Yankees are, the more money there is in Major League Baseball, the more interest there is in the sport, the more interest there is nationally um, in, in games. Grayson McCall is our New York Yankees, and we got to get the Yankees back. I did see that he had left the Jonesboro Veterinary Clinic right. and was headed back to uh, He's Conway. He's good. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't put him down. No, it was a scary moment. First of all, he was 24 for 27 or 24 for 28 in passing before he got knocked out of the game. He was having a fine game. Now, now the Coastal Carolina wasn't by any st- any measure of the of the moment steamrolling over Arkansas State. Arkansas State was doing fine. But that that hit, it was like one of those things when you're watching it, Dusty, and you've probably been in that situation before, when the quarterback gets hit, and the first thing you hear is the whistles and the flags. And, you, and the first thing you say is, oh, come on, it's football. And then he's not moving. You know, he was just mm. completely still. It looked like maybe he got pezzed, like maybe something hit him beneath the, 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 the chin. And I've knocked him out. So it was a, a, a strange and silent moment there at Centennial Bank Stadium. And I, I quite frankly, that, uh, that got those chants a little bit fired up. There was a lot of, like, wanting to fight. After during the the sort of of tense moments there, but uh, <laughs> managed to finish out the game, and uh, that, that's it. Coastal came away with the victory. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the moment in the stadium, what the kind of vibe was like. It was this, there was a similar thing at the JMU Marshall game. You know, 
JJ uh, Robertson mm, yeah. you know, was down. They you know had to cut his shoulder pads off. It looked bad. Um, thankfully, both guys are out of the hospital and doing well now. But um, yeah, it another one of those scary moments that you don't like to kind of sit through. Like when you're at a football game, it kind of makes you stop and think about everything Every, you're actually watching. Everybody who was there that followed Sunbelt football. You know how it is at some games, especially homecoming games. There's just a lot of people there that are there for that day only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they, I don't know if they even paid attention. But the people who understood Sunbelt football recognized that Sunbelt's leading, the Sunbelt's leading commodity had just been perhaps, ero- you know, like ero- or, or, or tremendously damaged in Jonesboro. So there was a, a holding of breath and, uh, and, and, and people were like pretty upset to see him in that condition. And like I said, he was playing an excellent game, uh, you know, completing all of his passes and, 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 and looking really sharp. Now they couldn't get the running game going and they couldn't get much going in the red zone. And Arkansas state actually forced a turnover out of them. There was a, there was a lot of th- good things I was going for Arkansas state. What killed Arkansas state was, was two touchdowns being called back on, on dumb penalties. But, um, and we don't, we don't have to go into that, but we're all happy that he's okay. They took him to the hospital. He's out of the hospital. I wouldn't be surprised if he was back again for uh, this week's game against, I guess, who is it? It's, uh, oh, against Marshall. Yep. The next game. After those uh, fiascos, we had Thursday night action. James Madison once again propelling themselves onto the national stage, getting the win over Marshall 20 to 9. But the story of the game, honestly, was the second half score being 3 to 2 <laughs> with JMU edging out off the solo home run in the, in the, the top of the second. Yeah, a big struggle of mighty defenses. Shane, were you at the game? I was. What'd you see? Um, you know, like you said, it was it was three to two there in the <laughs> second half. It was um Jamie was just not putting points on the board. They'd moved the ball and their defense was completely shutting down Marshall. Marshall, I mean the defense shut out Marshall. Their their points came on a safety and a and a kick return touchdown. Um yeah, Jamie moved the ball well enough to score more than 20 points. I think I think there was some conservative nature knowing that Marshall just wasn't going to score on JMU, that they didn't take a lot of risks and um, everything. But it, it was – there was a lot of baseball jokes in the press box <laughs> at certain points during the game. Nobody's original in the press box. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it was about what you expect. But I think the general feeling kind of all along – was that you know Jamie had it in control even when they were leading by a point mm-hmm. three to two? Yeah, you know, and and do you worry now about Marshall? They're next to last in the Sun Belt East. Uh, you know, they start off hot four and zero. Now they've lost <clears throat> three straight games. Now <clears throat> there are three straight games to quality opponents. But does Marshall have enough to turn this around? They're really banged up. I mean, there's just a lot of guys who are either out or playing hurt for Marshall. I mean, Cam Fancher is clearly taking a beating this season. I mean, he's out there playing, but he's hobbling. 
you know, they don't have Rasheen Ali against JMU. Um, they got, you know, some defensive players who are really good, but they're playing hurt. Um, you know, we talked about JJ Roberts getting injured in that game. Um, you know, obviously, thankfully not a life-threatening or a, uh, you know, lifestyle-threatening injury, but I don't know when he's going to be back to playing football. Like, Marshall's just, you know, as banged up as any team right now. And I think that's probably the toughest thing for them to overcome. So, Shane, being at a game in Huntington, we all know the the rules. There's no cheering in the press box. But are you allowed <laughs> to partake in the We Are Marshall? Um. You know, the the time I heard it loudest was after the J.J. Roberts injury. Um, and, you know, I didn't partake in it, but it was it was kind of like a pretty inspiring moment to to hear at that point. I mean, it, that was a lip quiver. Did you get the Michael Landon chin? Did you? I, I didn't, but it just kind of like <laughs> it was kind of like just like, wow, this is like what that's for, you know? I've, I've kind of, you know, like I did Marshall originate that Did Penn state originate it. Like, I don't know. So many teams have copied it that I've always kind of like just shrugged my head at it. But like in that moment, it was a, it was a very cool, like kind of an awe-inspiring thing. It was not made by a school. It was made by Matthew McConaughey himself. <laughs> yeah. In a game that on the surface, you're like, God, that's an ugly win. Old Dominion 28, <laughs> App State uh, 28 21 over App State. If, if you had to guess who had more total yards in the game, well, it can't be ODU, right? Because ODU's offense is terrible. So it has to be Appalachian State, right? And bear in mind, I didn't see any of this game, just saw the final score and just shook my head. Old Dominion 409, App State. 379. Wow. No way in hell you would have told me that beforehand. No. The more surprising thing. Yeah. Time of possession. App State had almost a six minute advantage over mm. the Monarchs. And somehow the Monarchs also just about doubled the yards per rush attempt. They ran all over the Mountaineers. I don't know what to think of that. I, it's it's almost like circling back to the ULM. It leaves me speechless and unable to comprehend and move forward because you had Callaway, who rushed for 104 yards for the Monarchs. You had Grant Wilson throwing a touchdown, no picks. Grant Wilson, 18 no of picks? 25, 188 yards. But there was really no one that just you could sit there and circle saying this is why they won the game. Yeah, you know, even just looking at the social media at the time, it seemed like Appalachian State, the entire game, the fans were resigned to to winning a very ugly game against ODU. And then suddenly it was ODU at one. I don't, I don't know how the game shaped out. I do know that I had picked Appalachian State to win the Sun Belt East, partly because I had no idea who was going to win the East. But I also had this idea that Sean Clark was a little embarrassed by last year's performance. And was going to pull out all the stops to bring the Mountaineers back to their sort of, you know, football glory. I mean, for a long time, the the, the stamp of quality in the Sun Belt when it came to football was Appalachian State, dead last in the Sun Belt East. 
Shane, how surprised are you at this, or are you surprised at all? I'm I'm somewhat surprised. I mean, all the excuses I was making for ULM about why they're not winning close games or pulling those yeah. out, none of those apply to App State, do no, they? I mean, they I mean, they, they have the, the culture and like the yeah. the fan base yeah. and the budget. I mean, like it, it's surprising. You, you kind of thought like the shakeups in the off season were going to make a difference, but there's just something missing when it comes to like closing out these victories that they you know really should be getting tibbs you got to believe that the hottest coaching seat in the sun belt right now has to be sitting beneath sean clark right sean clark or will hall i think are your top two but at the same time everyone wants to point their finger at will hall i don't think they can afford the 1.7 to buy him out though so it's definitely got to be sean clark that's sitting on the the book of matches there yeah yeah all i see is we gotta get rid of this guy which is too bad Sean Clark, I believe, used to play for Appalachian State, right? He was a, a player for them. Kind of a legacy guy. Comes back. Everybody's like, yeah, let's get the old band put together. Just not working in Boone. And it's a little, you know, it kind of reminds me, remember when Georgia Southern was so good and then suddenly they weren't? That's kind of what's going on here with Appalachian State. It's like For so long, Appalachian State, the power in the Sun Belt, definitely the Sun Belt East, suddenly – last place that is just shocking to me guys let me throw out a scenario to you that mm-hmm. i'm not saying will happen but would be interesting okay based on you know some things i've heard uh if sean clark is out at app state yeah and georgia state continues their impressive season mm-hmm. would they would app state look at another alum <laughs> <laughs> for that job do you think i would wonder you know you never really see a, a jump from one sunbelt program to another dusty have we ever seen that I, I don't recall that but uh i think maybe the closest would be the mass exodus of ulm assistance down to lafayette or oh. Matt Viator, when he was head coach at ULM, became the whatever fancy title under Napier at Lafayette right afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I There was some rumor that A-State's offensive coordinator. I Oh, God, who's the guy who coached UMass for a while? Lashley? Yeah, Rhett Lashley. He was in line at one point to get that Warhawks job. Wasn't everyone. Yeah. Let's yeah. Let's just say that occasionally you hear things that if Georgia State won enough games this year for Sean Elliott to get a job elsewhere, both sides might be pretty happy with that result. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about Georgia State, you know, looking at their roster. I mean, Georgia State, the time for Georgia State, and we'll talk, I guess we'll talk about that crazy 20 to 17 uh, win that they had in Lafayette. The time for Georgia State now is now. That's what it, the, the, everybody's a senior. Everybody who leads that team is a senior or junior, but mostly a senior. This is it for Georgia State. After that, there's no Granger. There's no Marcus, uh, the, 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 the running. Carroll. Guys. Yeah, Marcus Carroll. There's half the defense is gone. I mean, if Jordan, this is the year for Sean Elliott to make some noise and, and possibly to leave if that's what he wants to do. Because I don't think it's happening again next year. Dusty, do you agree with that? 
I would tend to lean that way okay. because it's taken Darren Granger, what, four years, three years to get to this point where he is the Darren Granger that we all know and love and, and enjoy watching. Do they have another one in the wings? I don't know because this looking at the box score of this past week when they were playing in Lafayette is the first time I've actually seen a name and not just team that actually completed a pass. <laughs> Michael Colarsado. I know I butchered that and I really don't care. Uh, one of one for three yards, baby. There's wow. your new face of the Panthers program. That could be it. Yeah. So, yeah. And let's let's talk a little bit about that game, Dusty. I Yeah, I didn't get to see it because I, I was, again, I was at homecoming at Arkansas State. But there was a lot of chortling amongst Georgia State faithful during that first half. Ah, the fans at, at Cajun Stadium, they're already leaving. It's not even the halftime yet. And, and, and just kind of high-fiving each other. Then it sounded a little bit like doom as the Cajuns shut it down, shut that de- uh, offense down, and then just started chipping away. Zeon Chris with the intercepted ball in the end zone, I believe, with 30 seconds left to, to, to finally end the, the threat. But yeah, Georgia State 6-1, and one, the first team to officially, Shane, to officially get a, a, a bowl eligible. Is it's time we gotta admit? Do we admit Georgia State's good, or do we say, well, maybe Georgia State's a little lucky? No, they're good. Okay, I yeah. agree. They're good, but I don't think I could jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, it just doesn't feel right. Plus, <laughs> I, I I feel like Sean Elliott's listening to the show, telling us you better not pick us because we're doing fine without you. So keep going <laughs> against us. Yeah, he's got his headbutts ready for us. But yeah, yeah, Granger, I I, I saw got hurt. Did he get laid? Did he get hurt like like hurt in the way Grayson McCall got hurt, or was it like, oh, I tweaked an ankle, I'm limping off? From what I was reading on Twitter, you know, from our friend Brady and other people, like I, I got the feeling like maybe they were worried he was concussed. They went through the protocol; he wasn't. That's why they did have somebody else throw one pass, but he ended up being back in on a later series. So, I mean, there was a moment where you know you're following multiple games and it looks like both he and McCall are out and you're wondering oh my god what's happening in the sunbelt tonight but uh Granger ended up coming back and uh so we didn't get to find out what else Georgia State might have a quarterback oh that's too bad that would have been a handy thing to know but yeah what a wild game in and what about what does that say for the Cajuns I mean are the Cajuns I here's the thing about the sunbelt west Aside from ULM, which they don't really deserve to be in this category, and 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 Southern Miss, everybody sort of has everybody else is sort of in it. You know, maybe not like realistically in it, but statistically, everybody sort of has a chance, right? You know, they're all one game away from each other. So in the West, yeah, I I, I would say so. I, I think also though for the Cajuns. You know, I, I still think they can pull off another six and six year, go to a bowl game and, and really just kind of rinse repeat from last year. I mean, Zeon Chris is just the man. I mean you like Zeon Chris. That is your new I, I, I told you that's in, in New Orleans, even that, I know that he was the guy that they just had to hand the, the reins of the program over to. 106 yards, one TD, then ran for another 119 yards. I mean, he's a good dual threat. Maybe not quite at the level of a Levi Lewis yet, but I, I can see a lot of the similarities. 
You know, I was I was looking at Zion Chris and Arkansas State's quarterback Jalen Rayner, and both of them this week made mistakes that prevented their teams from winning. You know, you had Zion Chris with the end zone interception. You had Jalen Rayner with two very freshman like interceptions where he's staring down receivers, makes the the bad call, throws the pick, and both of those picks ended up becoming Coastal Carolina touchdowns. And that's what you have to do when you have a freshman quarterback is that you have to let them make those mistakes because they're going to make those mistakes. This is college football, man. This is big boy football, and you can't go in there as a freshman and not make mistakes. Zeon Chris and Jalen Rayner are the future of the Sun Belt uh, for, for single callers. Those guys, are we're going to be watching hopefully for a long time. God willing that NIL doesn't take them away. But those guys are going to be fun to watch hopefully for the next four years. And that's a wrap on the week there, guys. What? There's nothing else? That was everything. So let me ask you this, though. Okay. We're at the point of the season where we kind of have some standouts. Who would you say is maybe your standout player that you've really seen, you've really liked, maybe that's even surprised you some out of this early going on the season? Well, or I me, say early going, at, at the midseason. Yeah, yeah, we're at the midpoint. You know, for me, it's Marcus Carroll. I mean, he was a guy who's been with uh, with Georgia State for a few years now, kind of slowly getting into it. Never thought of him as an elite running back. Now one of the top running backs, not just in the Sun Belt, but in the nation. So uh, my surprise guy has to go to Marcus Carroll. Shane, who do you have? I'll, I'll do a homer pick and say Jalen Green at uh... – at JMU. What I, a homer. Oh my God. I, I think I mean, that is a good pick. I mean, 13 sacks is just unbelievable. Yeah. We're talking oh, about. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry, Shane. Are you are you spouting off JMU stats? Because quite frankly, I don't think they exist. <laughs> and you may be correct. He's, <laughs> he, he has more sacks than anyone in the country. Okay. All right. Though, isn't the, isn't the NCAA FBS leader, apparently? depending on how you want to phrase that. But no, I mean, just, you know, he's a guy who showed some flashes last year. But if you told me to pick one guy on the JMU defensive line that was going to be putting up these kinds of numbers, he wouldn't have been the one I would have picked necessarily. Um, But he's just been basically unblockable and all over the field. I mean, he's got a pick six. He's got 13 sacks. He's he's done a little bit of everything. Tibbs, who do you think is sort of the most – the guy that hasn't quite lived up to that hype. It's going to sound kind of crazy because he's he's leading the league in passing yards. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Davis Brin has lived up to that mm-hmm. expectation at Georgia Southern. I, wow. I don't feel that he has really taken over that quarterback position and really aired it out like we kind of got spoiled with last year with, with Kyle Ventrees. I think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. And I think that their offense is very pass heavy. So his numbers are going to be pretty well inflated. I just don't think that he has really taken over the game, much like we saw last year out of Van Trees. The player though, that did surprise me was a guy that I really didn't know how he was going to do in the grand scheme of things at Texas state, TJ Finley. (laughs) I mean, going from LSU to Auburn to then Texas state, I mean, kind of how the mighty have fallen, right? He goes from, a, a huge power five program of LSU where he's going to be the man 
to Auburn that was really just a train wreck from top to bottom, but still has a lot of money, a lot of budget, a lot of prestige, to then kind of go into to San Marcos where, hey, we just hired this FCS coach and, and he's bringing in all new roster from the portal. We hope it works out. Do you want to be a part of it? And yeah, it's worked out really well for him. Yeah, and you know, the funny thing, it was like everybody had their money on Malik uh, Hornsby to take over that yeah. role. It's like, oh, wait, well, I have TJ Finley, but hey, Malik Hornsby. And Hornsby's never been the guy. <laughs> it's like, no. it's Finley from top to bottom. Now, Hornsby comes in every now and then for a play, but but Finley has been a Heisman candidate, in my opinion. Shane, who do you think's kind of let you down a little bit? I mean, the easy answer, maybe the cheating answer would be Grayson McCall. It might be piling Ooh. on a little bit oh, to right. say that. And, and I think because he's, he's, not he's in the discussion, but maybe maybe that's just because of the expectations that we put yeah. on him. And he's not necessarily in the best situation. I'm going to go another way. I'll say TJ Jackson at Troy mm-hmm. came in. Like, you know, I talked about how the how there weren't expectations for Jalen Green. TJ Jackson was supposed to be that defensive lineman in the league that was going to be racking up all the sacks and everything. And he's he's suspended early. Now he's on the field. But, you know, his numbers are pretty pedestrian right now. And so, you know, partially of his own doing, getting suspended, I'll, I'll say TJ Jackson. Yeah, and I'll say the guy that that's – it's diso- you say disappointing, and sometimes it's just because of the situation you're in, kind of like uh, – uh, we had said about Grayson McCall that he doesn't quite have the same guys they used to have around him, and he has the new coach, so he's he, it, it's not the same situation. It's not all his fault. Frank Gore Jr. is to me. I thought this yeah. guy was going to be the guy that just totally took over every game he plays in, and sometimes he'll have a good game. He'll put up some stats, but he's been shut out a lot, and partly I think it's because you can just key in on the on the Southern Miss run or yeah, Southern Miss run game because the, the passing game's so bad, but man, I really, this is a kind of disappointing year for Frank Gore jr. Especially considering last year when it looked like he was set to set the conference on fire. For sure. The last thing that we have, we have our first championship coming up as the women's soccer season has concluded South Alabama wins the regular season title top 10 teams are headed to fully Alabama to match it out Arkansas State squeaked in at the number 10 yeah JMU right in the middle of the pack ODU fell to number uh three in the seating ULM at number five I expect the Warhawks to make a little bit of noise not too much you like your Warhawks wouldn't surprise me though to see ODU and James Madison once again atop the women's soccer standings. Uh, tips: Who are the four that did not make the cut? You would ask me a trick question like that. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you had those those statistics in your hand, but you did not. The Raging Cajuns. Oh, okay. Finishing the season three and six. Uh, excuse me, they were three and six in conference. Six, eight, and two overall. Marshall, two and seven in Sunbelt. Seven, eight, and one overall. Troy, one, six, and two Mm -hmm. in conference. One, four, and one. Excuse me, that was division. Six, nine, and two overall. Mm -hmm. Coastal Carolina. Goose, seven, and two in conference. Three, 11, and two overall. Wow. All right. So it's set. It's thus. When does the start tournament start? 
it is coming up on the 30th of October. So Ooh, Monday. Okay. All right. That, that's exciting. It'll be fun to watch. All games on ESPN Plus, your favorite no. channel. Uh, it's really the best channel in the Sun Belt. Aside from CBS Sports, that's good stuff. I don't know. It, it seemed like the production of the Georgia Southern ULM game, everyone was uh, raving about the, the score bug that Georgia Southern had up with the Sunbelt logo and better graphics, better in-game scoreboard. Oh, yeah, I got to go back and watch it again. It was fantastic. I, what, what, who I, brought I missed that? Was that ESPN Georgia Plus? Southern. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. We'll have to, I'll have to ask around about like who put together mm-hmm. that package. Yeah, they had, they had graphics like you know, later this week on ESPN plus like this women's soccer game and like the logo, it was, it was, it looked legit. All right. It's nice to see that. Yeah. And they also, they also apparently do a, uh, Clay Helton coaches show on ESPN plus. I don't know how many other, uh, I did see that. I, I I was jealous. Yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, coach Jones, Butch Jones, he has a coaches show, but it's like on local TV. So it's yeah. How come? How come he gets the plus? Because he, he has a better plug promo and parting shot, Jeremy. Ah, do I get to go first on that? We would love for you to go first. <laughs> All right, I do want to. I want to talk a little bit about. It, 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 it's almost like a question to Shane too, because maybe he knows a little bit more. We talked a little bit about it earlier about the NCAA. So I'm like I do, you know, I I I write previews uh, of each game in the Sun Belt, and a lot of times, you know, I look through NCAA.com and look at the stats because they do do have up to date stats. Who's got the best defenses? You know, where are they ranked? Offenses, passing, all that stuff. So a couple of weeks ago, I I, I start looking through. They cannot find JMU in the defenses or the offenses or anything. And I was like, oh, well, there must be some sort of just strange error going on with the NCAA. I didn't even really think much of it until I found I saw that Coach Signetti about a week later was kind of setting the NCAA on fire for saying it is ridiculous. It was a response to one of your tweets, Shane, uh, about how NCAA is no longer accepting the statistics from JMU, which they have been doing for the last year and a half. So suddenly, no, the, the 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 statistics for JMU don't count. They don't rate. How is that possible? I mean, I I don't usually bust on the NCAA. I feel like busting on the NCAA is low hanging fruit. We've been doing it for sixty years. I get tired of it. I actually wish there was a strong NCAA that would take care of some stuff, that would make some decisions. But this is one of the weirdest decisions I've ever seen the NCAA make. Shane, do you have any insight on this? Yeah. Well, this is partly what I was talking about before. Has like nobody had anticipated a team making a transition like JMU. So like JMU played has played all their they played a full FBS schedule for two years. The reason they don't put transitioning teams in the stats leaders is because a lot of times they play nine games against FCS teams mm-hmm. in the first year to a transition. And Georgia and, state was like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that makes a little bit of sense. And so like last year you may have noticed JMU was included in those leaders until 
very late in the season. Oh, okay. When, from what I've heard, very late in the season, when some SIDs start looking about how they're going to pump up their guy for awards, all of a sudden realize, hey, my quarterback's not in the top 10 in this yeah. category, but he would be if they were doing it by the book. Yeah, if Todd Tail was And that was when like the JMU stats disappeared, and then they didn't include them this year. Ah, ah so there's, there is madness to the method. But yeah. still, but but it's still a situation where you know, Jalen Green, you know, not only has thirteen, you know, not only has thirteen sacks, he's doing it against a strength of schedule that's up there with, you know, Michigan. Yeah, and like, don't understand it, don't understand it at all, Dusty. And that is my parting shot. That's a great looking boobcat shirt, by the way, there, Jeremy. Isn't it though? It, it fits really well. You know, it, it says boobcat, but it makes my chest look svelte. Shane, please uh, give us your plug promo parting shot. I'll just, I'll build off that parting shot that like, you know, of all the things we've been talking about with JMU, the NCAA, whether they should or shouldn't do whatever, like the stat thing is there's absolutely no reason to not make an exception for their stats. You know, let their guy be the nation's leader in sacks, let their defense be the nation's leader in, you know, rush defense. Like there's absolutely no reason to not, make an adjustment on that one. That's my, it, that's my parting shot for this one. It's not even petty. You know, by the way, I, I, I was talking to my brother, Rex Steele at the, uh, at the homecoming at Arkansas state. And he notoriously does not listen to this podcast. He's just, he just refuses. He's like, I, I don't, I don't hear your voice. And I said, well, why don't you listen to the podcast? He says, what do you guys do? Just talk about how great JMU is. <laughs> I think sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Dusty, your parting shot plug or promo. My only hope oh. is when EA finally releases the new NCAA college football that A, my Xbox is still alive to enjoy the long await of that game coming out. Second of all, I hope that it actually has the ability to have JMU in the game <laughs> and it actually count. Plus I want the old days of being able to play as a true FCS one double a opponent, because I want to be the one that brings the glory back to Northwestern state, Louisiana, winning the Southland conference and going on to win the one double a trophy in Frisco, Texas, home of JMU's first ever bowl game against Jacksonville state. <laughs> uh, that's a good way to end every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in at U.S. Border Patrol protecting our borders is more than a job it's a calling agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe if you are ready for a new mission join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.